Coming up on Locked On 76ers, Keith and I discuss why the 76ers, with eight games remaining, stand in a pretty good spot. We'll get into that once we get started right here on Locked On 76ers. You are Locked On 76ers, your daily Philadelphia 76ers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome. You are Locked On 76ers. I'm Devon Givens from 97.5 The Fanatic Radio in Philadelphia alongside my co-host and partner, Keith Pompey, Sixers beat writer for TheInquirer.com. Thanks for making Locked On 76ers your first listen every day. And remember, Locked On 76ers is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube at Locked On 76ers. Keith, what's going on, man? What's going on, man? What's going on? But look, I want to let everybody know today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Well, Keith, the game started for the 76ers, man, on this three game road trip where it was an important road trip for them after Monday's victory last Monday, which was a week ago today. Uh, over the Miami Heat, a big win, minus Joel Embiid and James Harden. We were looking at this three-game road trip as something that, for us at least, was a bit of a barometer where there's stories to tell from this one. Well, now we are eight games left in the season. The three games, they went two and one on the road trip. And, Keith, I wanted to talk to you and the folks out there why it was uh, a road trip that we need to start to look at, of course, with the three games, but with eight games left in the season why these last eight games are important, beginning with the Milwaukee Bucks tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the last eight games are important with the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, you look at it right now, the 76ers are in fourth place in the Eastern Conference standings. Um, they have they have the uh, the same record as the Bucks. Um, what are they, 40, 46 and 27, I believe, 46 and 28. Um, the And both of these games are – a half a game out of first – both of these teams, rather, are a half a game out of first place. So right now, this is important. Um, but the one thing that you and I talked about before we started this podcast is that, you know, the Sixers are going to get a top four place in the, in the East. And I think right. that the way the standings are right now, I mean, they, they should be fine. I also think that number four might be a little bit better than number one, two, or three for them at least in regards to getting out of the first round. But I think that these games right now are important because there are certain things that the Sixers need to shore up. Um, they need to polish up to get ready for the playoffs. And I think that's what a lot of things they're going to focus on, at least for the next six games. Yeah, and I agree with you. Something is focus, something for them to focus on. And, Keith, the, the, the part that it really interests me here as you talk about the top four seed is – Right now, it looks like it's going to be between the 76ers, the Miami Heat, the Boston Celtics, and the Milwaukee Bucks. Those are your four teams right now with, I believe it's three games back that the Toronto Raptors sitting there in the, no, Chicago Bulls, pardon me, sitting in the fifth spot are three games back of the Sixers and the Bucks who are tied with identical records right now and occupy the Bucks three, Sixers four. And it's going to take a little bit um, of luck by the Bulls in terms of the Sixers kind of falling off 
and elevating over over them to get into the top four. So I think the top four, as you mentioned, are set. So now it's about jockeying for position, if you will, as we go along. And a lot of conversation too, Keith, is are these teams, specifically the Sixers, because we don't care about what everybody else is doing, um, <laughs> are, are the Sixers trying to figure out a way to position themselves for their first round opponent? And I, when I look at it, man, and I'm not playing, I'm not on the floor, I'm not coaching, so it, it's not my deal, it's their deal. I, I don't care about that because all of these teams are really good, they're pretty good, and they're gonna be a tough out, whether it's the first round in the quarters, the second round in the semis, and then the conference finals as well. It, it's gonna be hard, no matter what. And when you have two of the top 20 players in the NBA and James Harden and Joel Embiid, you just go out there and you lace them up and get ready. And I understand that the depth is not there. We've talked a ton about that. So have the listeners, the viewers talked a ton about that. It is what it is. It's the playoffs. It's tough. The Washington Wizards are not a team that are going to be in the postseason this time around where you can hope to match up against them in the first round. You're going to have a tough one when it comes to the boss, the Brooklyn Nets, the Cleveland Cavaliers, Toronto Raptors, or the Chicago Bulls. So you have to lace them up against who you lace them up against. And that's why these eight games are important to try to get as high as possible. Yeah, I mean, here's my thing. I think if it was uh, spaced out a little bit more, it would be easier to do that. You know, I mean, let's, sure. let's be 100. Like, if I'm the 76ers, I do not want to face the Brooklyn Nets in the first round. I do not want to face the Toronto Raptors. I do want to face the Chicago Bulls. <laughs> I do. I mean, hey, I, I'll even say, hey, Chicago. You, you swept them, right? <laughs> Y'all can be the home team if you want to. You can have home court advantage, right? I mean, it's just – but uh, and, 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 like, another team that I would love to face is, is Cleveland in the first round if, if they, you can make that possible. But right. the thing is, these seedings are so close. You know, you don't know what Miami's going to do. Like, they lost four games in a row. I mean, the one team that's hot is Boston. You know, Milwaukee is kind of like the Sixers. Like, you know, they win a couple games and then they lose one. But right now, they're so close in the seedings. When you start trying to manipulate things, you know, basically it could go, it could go west, it could go left for you real fast. It can backfire. It yep. can backfire exactly. So I think at this particular point, it's just play it, play it out. And I do. I think the Sixers are going to finish first. No, I don't. I mean. I mean, I know anything can happen, but I just don't see it. I think that it's either going to be Miami or Boston. But um, outside of that, I think the Sixers will be fine, man. It's just, you know, I, if I'm numb, I just don't want to face Brooklyn in the first round. I'm just going to be real. Yeah. And look, Charlotte and Brooklyn, they faced off last night in Brooklyn. Kyrie was able to play at home uh, at, at Barclays. And I actually thought that with – everything from the juice of the crowd, him being back in the lineup, that they would win that game. And they lost by, what, nine points? I think it was 119, 110 in that loss uh, to the Charlotte Hornets. So right now the Brooklyn Nets are in the ninth spot <laughs> in the tie with the Hornets, but the Hornets have the the head-to-head matchup, and uh, they, they elevated over them the identical record. As I look at the standings here, they jumped over them there in the eighth spot right now, currently with the Nets sitting in the ninth spot with the Atlanta Hawks behind them. So while I have no doubt that the Brooklyn Nets could beat the Atlanta Hawks and move on to play that next game for that eighth and final spot between either the Cavs or the Hornets, 
I'm with you. The Bulls and and Cleveland Cavaliers seem like the easier road. But again, I just I just I'm in one of those places here now, man, where I I just don't care. The matchup is what the matchup is. The chips fall where they may. And you just go out there and you do what you need to do against the opponent. Sure, we always look at it, whether it's football, baseball, basketball, hockey, soccer. You always want to say, yeah, let me get the easier one first and make it harder on myself later. But in the case like the Sixers and this season, uh, while they have a fantastic record after everything that they've dealt with, they're still in a spot where you, you, you just have to go out there and play your game. And you never know. They can slip up against one of those teams that you feel like they're better than, or they can go into that first round and beat up on the Brooklyn Nets, Keith, that you're talking about when we least expect it. So uh, these, these games were important just to keep pace with the other teams in the conference as we are right there in that spot where only a half a game separates the four teams up top to see where they all go. We have Brook, you have Milwaukee on Tuesday, and then some mixture down the line. You do have Cleveland one more time. You have the Indiana Pacers twice, the Detroit Pistons, and you have pretty much an opportunity to do some things with your record, get over 50, and try to stay in that top few spots. But these these games are very important going forward. These three that they had out west, the two against L.A., and uh, the two L.A. teams were clearly important because you just picked up the Ws. But I know there was a story to tell for a lot of people against the Phoenix Suns, even though they didn't get the win. They handled themselves pretty well in it. And we can get into that, of course, as we go along, Keith, in the next segment to talk about some of the positives and negatives with eight games remaining, taking away from the L.A. trip and, of course, the Phoenix game. We'll discuss those things in the next segment as we continue to talk about the Sixers and the positives and the negatives that we saw on this road trip as we are here again on the Locked On 76ers podcast. And Keith, I got to tell people late night last night for myself, late night last night for you as well. And of course, getting up, playing ball, all of that, watching the tournament, seeing all these things happen. And I wanted a little snack like I often do late at night. And I had to go with uh, the, the trusty built bar because the trusty built bar has put me in a good spot lately as I've started to use this more, take advantage of the opportunity of using the built Bar and replacing the candy bar and the other snacks that I like to get into. But I have to have people know that you can also try the puffs. If you haven't, you're missing out on one of the best tasting bars made by built Bar. They are, the puffs are first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar, they're a treat. They're covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, people, 100% real chocolate. We all love it, whether you like dark chocolate or the white chocolate, or you all, we all can come together and say we like the, the 100% real chocolate. So get involved, whether it's the yummy cinnamon churro, I always get tongue-tied on that one, the coconut marshmallow banana cream pie, or any of the other flavors that are fantastic, like coconut almond, co- coconut and mint brownie. Get involved with them all. They're low in calories, 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. When you compare that to a regular candy bar, you look at that and you can see the difference immediately when you check it out. So the flavor of the month, white chocolate cookies and cream. My daughter, my oldest, she loves that. My sister as well. So I've introduced them to this. And of course, I've got them hooked as well. So check it out. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. 
And thank you for making Locked On 76ers your first listen. For your next listen, please check out Locked On Now podcast, where you can get nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts, including the Charlotte-Brooklyn game that we spoke about as well. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Keith, we need to talk about the positive and negatives that we've seen from the road trip from the two games in Los Angeles Wednesday and Friday beating the Lakers and the Clippers on those two nights. A close one against Los Angeles with no LeBron James. A flat-out beatdown against the Clippers in that second game on Friday night leading into the game on Sunday, which wrapped up the the Sixers' trip. I got to ask you right away, what were some of the positives and negatives that you took away from this three-game West Coast trip? You know, um, it's it's weird because – you know, when we talk about this three-game West Coast trip, I guess it's good. The positive that they went two and one, right? The mm-hmm. first two games, you know, the, I, I really felt like they struggled a little bit against the Lakers, like it was an ugly win, right? But a win is a win, right? The Clippers game told me nothing. I mean, the Clippers are horrible. I mean, you know, after the game, Doc Rivers was talking about how great the defense played, but these dudes were missing wide-open shots, right? Um, they had certain guys who are typically role players who were initiating the offense, and that typically doesn't go well, right? So it really didn't show me anything. Now, the one thing is the positive in the loss last night to the Phoenix, which was 114-104, enabled the Sixers to know what they really need to work out, work on. I mean, the Suns are the best team in the league. The Suns are 61-14. and 14 by far the best team in the league. And I think that it gave the Sixers a barometer to say, hey, look, here, this is where we are. Walking away from that loss, the Sixers have to know that they shot themselves in the foot over and over and over again. So when you do- Doc Rivers called it a winnable, winnable game. Yeah, it was. It was a winnable game. I mean, it got to a point, but, but to me, it was one of those games where the Sixers really weren't like they, they didn't like, okay, there's a one point where Tobias Harris scored eight of 13 points during one stretch in the, in the third, in the second quarter. Right. Um, next thing you know, James Harden and Joel Embiid are not in the game at that point. They come back in, they keep Tobias in to, but next time Tobias touched the ball was like with seconds left in the quarter and a half. So, you know, I think they have to be a little bit more self-aware of what's going on. Like, when there's a guy who's hot, you keep getting him the ball. Now, again, I know Joel's going to get it such as, but I felt like James could have done a better job of continuing to feed the rock to Tobias, right? There was there was do also – Do you attribute that to – do you attribute that more to Harden as the point guard and not allowing the guy to just get off as he struggled? Or is that something that you feel like the coaching staff could have uh, interjected a little bit more and injected a little bit more and got into the middle of it and saying, hey, Tobias needs these touches? I think it was a little bit of both. I think the coaching staff, I I think like the point guard, as a point guard, you got to get the guy the ball. Like if you know he's hot and you know that you got to keep feeding him, right? It's one of those things, you know, you play ball, you still do play ball. If the dude's cooking, he might not be the guy that um, like he might be third or fourth option, but you're still going to continue to feed him the rock, right? And I felt like you know that's one of those things that they should have done and they didn't do it. 
right? Um, you know, also I felt like a lot of the defensive switches, they struggled on that. Now, again, it shows us how far the Sixers are, but at the same time, a lot of their wounds were self-inflicted. You know what I mean? So it's one of those things where you feel as if that they can go out there and, and hopefully, hopefully, you know, be able to improve. Now, the thing is, eight games, that's a short amount of time to turn all that stuff around. But um, you look at it, the bench didn't really give them anything against against Phoenix. But at the same time, you know, guys just have to step up and, and, and we'll see. Um, I would like to know what, you know, get get your, your point of view from it. Well, the the one in regards to the point guard getting the keeping the that the hot hand rolling, I agree with you. And that's something that sometimes a point guard, especially if Doc Rivers trusts James Harden as his point guard to make those necessary changes was happening. I use the example of when you feed the hot hand, talking about Joel Embiid, that's one thing. But we've also seen where Tyrese Maxey has had the hot hand and they kept feeding him, kept going to him because they trust what he needs to do. So um, we've, I guess, all sat back and wondered why it took so long for Tobias Harris to get into a groove once James Harden arrived. And it's not to say that they're they are not teammates that don't like each other or anything. You just It's just something that we continue to watch and wonder why it continues to happen where we keep having these conversations with Tobias Harris. Is it him? Is it the point guard not getting him going? And as you mentioned and others have mentioned in the past, why is the coaching staff not calling his number anymore to, to keep him rolling while he has it? And then again, as I just mentioned to you, I also believe it might be a little bit of, I don't have it going. I'm trying to find my shot too, where Doc Rivers keeps asking him to stop worrying about facilitating as much as you are get yours too because you we are most likely at our best when you are also looking for your shot james harden i'm speaking of and he went two for eleven one for five i think it was from three two so that means he was two for five from three and he was oh for six from the floor so a player like him he's going to be pressing trying to find his own and if it's not falling it's not falling and then that kind of takes away as you just talked about a little bit when speaking about Tobias Harris, his way and keeping that going, the ball is not coming, he's not touching. Therefore, he starts to lose it a little bit, and he can't be that same player that you were talking about in that second quarter. And that gives them in the third quarter going into the locker room, and in the fourth quarter, Monty Williams, Kevin Young, the coaching staff, they say, hey, Tobias started getting loose this way. Let's make this change here as we go along once the ball does find him. Now, he didn't get it a lot, so he maybe didn't have to do it, but I'd have to imagine knowing Monty Williams a little bit like we do and seeing the Phoenix Suns play as much as I have, they make their adjustments for every little thing that happens in the first half that they can see maybe uh, being a problem in the second half. That's one thing. Um, I, I, I see it as a little bit of a problem, not maybe as much as you. Uh, the couple of things for me that, I, that stood out for me specifically in the Clippers game uh, sometimes you just sleepwalk when LeBron James is not on the floor. You look at that and say, oh, we'll just get this one. They were ready for it. Uh, the Lakers were, and they let that team hang around too long. Other guys started getting hot. That happens in the NBA. That did nothing for me. Although I go the other way with the Clipper game. I looked at that one, Keith, and the pregame comments by Tyron Lue that were made about James Harden and, and uh, Joel Embiid. He's, he mentioned, for the people who didn't hear 
head coach Tyron Lue of the Clippers stated that he felt that with Joel Embiid number one in the NBA free throw attempts and the same for James Harden at number three, if they were not getting the amount of free throws that they have been all season long, they wouldn't, neither of them would be in the top 10 in scoring. And I got to tell you, Keith, that not being there like you were from afar, I personally look at that as a challenge. And that challenge for me was, okay, we heard what you said, and somehow it got to them, whether they saw it themselves on social media. I don't know how active they are in the locker room or social media pregame, but if they did see it or someone made sure that they relayed that message to them, that was something that they certainly carried to the floor and went off the second quarter that James Harden had, the amount of free throws that Joel Embiid had, the conversation that I don't know anything about. Maybe you have some information on that one where Joel Embiid hit that pull-up jumper right around inside the free throw line, elbow extended, knocked down that jumper from the nail and decided after they Tyron Lue called the timeout, he's running back to the floor. He could have circled anyway. He circled back to the head coach, stopped, said something to the coach, and then walked away. They spoke after the game as well. Everything seemed cool, but as a competitor, I would think that that's something that they took themselves and said, you know what? All right, cool. You feel like we're not good enough because of the free throws, and we hear other people talking about it in the league as well, and all these writers and, and, and people who talk about the game don't know. Yeah. For me, that's something that I took as a positive that, hey, all right, bet. Let's do this. <laughs> Keep talking. I think it was taking so – I mean, do our part. First of all, I mean, I get where everybody gets. Like, I, I think a lot of times, well, first of all, what Tyron Lue did is he was supposed to talk at, like, let's say, like, 9.45 or whatever time it is, right? We got there at, like, 9, 9.38. He was already talking. So, like, the, none of the – like, a, a lot of the media members weren't even there when he said that, right? So you're talking 6, 6.30. You're – Pacific yeah, time. Yeah, okay. okay. you know, I'm talking All about right. like East Coast, whatever. So okay. he said it earlier. So a lot of people weren't there for it. So when he said it, but the way that it came out, it was like from what I heard is someone asked him a question about it and he answered it, right? Now it all sounds great and all this and that later on, but I, I feel like, you know what I mean? And if you look at it, if you look at James's shooting percentage, Mm-hmm. maybe he's right on that one right now. Who knows? I mean, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, you never know, right? But I do know that Embiid averages the most, you know, shots in the um, – foul shots in the league. James is third. But mm-hmm. the thing is, I don't know if – like, that happened pregame. Like, I don't even know if Joel and them got word of it in pregame. You know what I mean? Like, I think Joel, like, you know, you got to realize something. that Like, there was a chance that – Ty Lue would have been the coach. And then there were some yeah. people who were saying that Joel didn't want him as the coach because he felt okay. like he was too he was too close to clutch to Ben Simmons people. So he didn't right. want him. So, you know, I mean, so I think that goes back to there. Oh, I just think, man, to be honest with you, that 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 Clippers team was trash, dude. Like, I'm, I'm gonna That's be real. Right. Well, that okay, was- but I'm taking it. I'll take that as a positive only because as we talk about them being trashed over the Lakers on Wednesday and they slept walk through that one. And then yeah. in this one, they rested in the fourth quarter because they did what they were supposed to do. Yeah. I'm not giving yeah. too much credit for that. I'm just simply saying that how many times do we talk about not doing what they were supposed to do against these bad teams? And they smacked them. And that's what they were supposed to do. 
I don't know, dog. That team was trash. I mean, I'm not giving Good. them any props. I ain't, I'm not. Good. I'm seriously, dude. They 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 could have played the G League elite team and might have like came close. I mean, that team was trash, dude. Like, no offense. Like, I I like the players on the team. They got some dudes, but we can give them a win. All I'm saying is a win is a win. To me, they only played like one legitimate squad, right? And that was the Phoenix Suns. Like when you take AD and you take LeBron off the Lakers, they had mm-hmm. Russell Westbrook. I mean Westbrook. I'm sorry, yeah, I didn't no, mean you to said say that it. on purpose. No, yes, I didn't. Know. I didn't mean to say. You know, it was weird. <laughs> I was trying not to say it. You know how you like try to like make it so you don't say it. So they had yeah. Russ, right? And they had Russ and four minimum salary dudes. It was like it was like no real rap. It was like the Sixers of 2015, 16, right? But you might have had um, Jason Richardson <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> right? And the bunch of dudes. So I don't give them any props for that. So like, so, like, the thing is, then they played the Clippers, right? So they were so depleted that Marcus Morris, they had to initiate some of their offense through him. We all know Marcus, a great dude. A three and D brings a lot of grit, but you don't see him bringing the ball up a lot. He had to do no. that, so you know. Yeah. And then they were missing. That's, shots. that's so, their problem. That's their problem. Yeah, that's Not their mine. problem. I but I, but I, I don't care. But that ain't. I'm telling you. And and, and then I like. I, I'm just saying. It's nice to say, yeah, they won, <laughs> but dude, I'm not waving anything. Been, I'm just saying the biggest story <laughs> yeah, would have been they lost. <laughs> so exactly. Exactly. So my thing is, to us, to me now, I'll get on board and start saying, okay, they have arrived if they beat Milwaukee on Tuesday, right? Because the big story why, was – Why they, this Tuesday when they beat the Bucks before the All-Star break without Curry, Drummond, Harden because of the trade, Simmons, of course, gone, that was a hell of a win. That was a win, but I believe the Bucks was coming off a of back-to-back, and it was right before the All-Star break. A lot of stuff happens before the All-Star break. Some people already, mine is already in Cancun. The, the, the stakes are, like, already, <laughs> the stakes are a little bit different. I want to see what James looks like against them. Also, I want to see so what this I. other team. Yeah. So, I think, like, it's a little bit different right about now. Like, before, you know, Joel and – uh Giannis, like, yeah, man, so well, who coming to the All-Star game with you? I mean, like, dude, you, you know what I mean? Like, it's just a little different mindset. It's a yeah, different I mindset. hear it, but I, I hear it, but will we have the same type of uh, reasoning if the Sixers lost to the Bucks before they had that final game? Oh, no doubt. To the break? No you doubt. know what I'm I saying? The same. Yeah, yeah it, to me, it, it doesn't really – I mean, to me, it doesn't really – like, that game, don't get me wrong, that was a good game. But I was still would be, I still would be hyped up and amped up to see what they would do. See, because my my, my question here's my question for the Sixers, and it's not like a real knock on the Sixers, but yeah, they beat Miami. The next game, Jimmy, Jimmy Butler was about to burn down the building. <laughs> That's why I said he broke him. He broke him, man. So then he after that, so then after Six that they lose to the Knicks, he, and then after that they lose the. <clears throat> they lose to Brooklyn. So to me, I'm kind of sort of like, 
uh, all right, like okay, like okay, okay, hey, real problem, <laughs> right? So then they go to LA and like, uh-huh. look, man, you can say what you want, but the Lakers without LeBron and without AD is completely different. And I'm telling you, D, that Clippers team, yeah. I mean, they look way better before. Now, again, I give I give them credit. James Harden was on fire. He scored 29 points, right? Joel Embiid did what he did. Now, I'm going to be honest yep. with you. I got a concern right now. And the reason why I got to okay. see this Milwaukee game. That's why we're talking because, about the positives and the negatives. Because James Harden went from scoring 29 points and was on straight on fire to shooting two for 11. There was a play in the game. I don't know if you know if it was a side out of bounds play for for the Phoenix Suns. Harden was arguing with the official. They left Landry Shamit wide open. I remember. They passed the ball to him. He buries a three. Yep. <laughs> I just got to see more. Bad business. That's that's bad business by James Harden. I agree with you. I saw it 100%. He can't do that. And uh, that is something, of course, that we've talked about in the past, where if it's not that, it's him going to the basket, looking for the fouls, arguing with the officials when everything is happening, going the other way. Can't have it. You simply can't have that, especially if you're trying to win the championship. This is always a a, a really good conversation to, to look at these things, because you look at what we're talking about versus what's happening with other teams. And you just simply look at it and say, where are we supposed to gauge the team based on? All of this stuff happened. That's why it's all fascinating, and that's why we're talking about it here on Locked On 76ers. Keith, uh, coming up when, when we get back, man, through it all, 2-1 and one on the road trip, eight games to go. Joel Embiid, in my opinion, we still need to talk about, is he still number one in the MVP race based on what just recently took place with the 76ers, his individual work as they went 2-1 and one on this three-game road trip with 46 wins, eight to play. We'll get into that. As we come back here on Locked On 76ers. And Keith, I got to tell you and everybody, as a kid growing up, and my parents would tell you, my siblings would tell you, my cousins, best friends, we used to all collect basketball cards. But things have changed. Things have since changed. Where the NBA, the NFTs have taken over and the NBA has gotten involved with NBA Top Shot, the officially licensed NFT of the NBA, where you can connect with a community of hundreds of thousands of NBA fans as a natural progression of fantasy sports, a way to upgrade your experience as an NBA fan. It's something that we used to do. We used to have to do the trading cards individually, in class, on the step, outside, sitting wherever we were in the schoolyard. we go to the corner store, buy the cards, and then trade them and see what we got, see how lucky we are, and make sure that they don't get bent either. But the, the trading cards are a thing, seems like, of the past, at least because the NFTs have taken over so much it's like the trading cards except for now these are officially licensed nfts the greatest moments for nba history not just a player in the season for nba history it's like fantasy sports the airline loyalty when you are in the program for the nba a few collectors came out to game five of the nba finals they also travel to the nba draft because of what happened with the airline loyalty program courtesy of the nba top shot and loyalty investors can include big names, Michael Jordan, 
Kevin Durant. Don't you want to get involved with those guys? A few others, community involved as well. Tyrese Halliburton, Cole Anthony, and Harrison Barnes uh, in the NBA as well. So you hear people all the time, why would I buy a highlight when I can watch it on YouTube for free? Well, it's, you know, it's not just about that. It's about making sure you have stake, the ownership stake in it as well for your favorite players. So if you sign up for Top Shot today, the best Top Shot today, the best way to start is by getting yourself a starter pack. You can pull an NFT of a superstar like LeBron or KD or star rookies like Kay Cunningham or Evan Mobley for just $9. And if you didn't pull your favorite player from the starter pack, you can snag moments from the marketplace that absolutely appeal to you. So Top Shop Moments can get you access to events like the NBA Draft, the NBA Finals, and can be used in fantasy mini games on a regular basis as well. NBA Top Shot is the future of NBA of the NBA fan own officially licensed rare NFTs of the greatest moments from NBA history. Sign up today at lockedon.nbatopshot.com. And after you get done with the NBA Top Shot, you need to save money in time by using Rock Auto. I choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership. Example, a Honda Odyssey fuel pump is $353 from a chain store, $216 from Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto's prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you could need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. We encourage you to discover parts at Rock Auto. I'm telling you, it's going to save you a lot of money. Go explore their easy-to-use website today and find a solution to your parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and tell all and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in, in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. All right, Keith, welcome back. Locked on 76ers. Keith Pompey, Devon Givens with you here. And last night, Joel Embiid put up some big numbers, Keith. Another 30 plus game, big rebounds as well. And LeBron James also out there putting up some solid numbers as these two battle it out with Giannis also in the mix at 29.7. So right now it looks like LeBron James 30.1, Joel Embiid 29.9, and Giannis at 29.7 at this time. That's just for the scoring leaders. But there's also the other case of uh, what we need to focus on, which is the MVP. I'm sure we'll be talking about this much more as these final weeks wrap up and getting into the postseason the MVP. And Keith, uh, looking at Jokic at 26.3 points per game, averaging over 13 rebounds a night. Joel Embiid also in that category. The the conversation continues and it's starting to ramp up in a big way. Uh, But one for me, Keith, that nothing has changed where I look at this past weekend and Joel Embiid is still my number one, not just because we're in Philadelphia, not just because we cover the 76ers, but based on what we've seen all season long from Embiid, kept an eye on what Jokic and Giannis are doing, as I would imagine, the three finalists for the MVP, at least the top three. Nothing has changed, and I still have him number one. Yeah, he's going to win. I mean, Joel is going to win the MVP. I mean, he's number one. I mean, you know, what, what Jokic is doing is, is phenomenal. 
what Devin Booker is doing is great. Um, but when you look at the Sixers team, and, and even yesterday, I mean, you know, Embiid had 13, 15, uh, 3, and, and 2 against this team, right? I mean, Joel Embiid is just a beast. The Sixers need him. And, and I know Book is a great guy, but you look at that team, Phoenix is a great team. They have a lot of different players, a lot of superstars, and I think that that's part of the reason why they're so good. Monty's a great coach. No, and look, 37-15 that we're talking about here from Joel Embiid, the 37 points, 15 rebounds for Embiid. He also had three assists in the the game uh, against the Phoenix Suns, and he was seeing a lot of double teams. He was seeing some triple teams. They were trying to blitz. A, a lot, not try to. The Phoenix Suns were blitzing a lot to take the ball out of James Harden's hands, leaving it up to Joel Embiid to do what Joel Embiid does, which is score the basketball and, of, uh, of course, just dominate in the way that he always talks about. Just simply, I want to be dominant is what he says. And he he did that in that game on Sunday night. Unfortunately, it wasn't enough because he didn't get the help from James Harden, who ended up with 14 points on two of 11 shooting, and both of those makes came from behind the three-point line, perfect from the foul line at 4-8 for 8 uh, from the charity stripe. But Embiid did nothing to change my opinion as far as him with the MVP. And we'll, we'll get into all the, the arguments where so many people are speaking about some advanced metrics and advanced stats and all of that. I, I look at the same basketball games as they do, and Nikola Jokic has been tremendous all season long. That's why... They should both be on first team all NBA. They just should because they're they've been phenomenal. They're not going to give a co MVP. And Joel Embiid, who has been the leader all season long, has done nothing where his stock is since going down, as if they're losing games. And he's still not putting up these tremendous numbers just because one or two players are still playing at a very high level or even elevated their game. And we can start to get into once again how many players are missing from their team when everyone just simply seems to exclude. The, the It was a big number one story in the NBA when Ben Simmons wasn't playing for the 76ers and giving Joel Embiid no help. Uh, yeah, Tyrese Maxey, his acceleration as a player on full display. Tobias Harris doing what Tobias Harris does, giving you 18 points a night. But this team was built around Embiid and Simmons. And there were so many other players on these other teams that I would look at with Chris Middleton, um, and Drew Holiday that I will want as my number twos. And, you know, yeah, that, look, this, this is, this guy should win the MVP. And I, I think, I think he, again, Keith, just to make it short and sweet, he has done nothing to lose the MVP. Eight more games to play. And however many he plays in, I don't think he's going to do anything to take himself out of that number one spot. So I just wanted to make sure we said that. And we ended on that one because that's that's a big topic of discussion, not only locally, but also nationally. But, Keith, thanks so much for your time, man. I hope you had a good trip out there with those three games. And uh, tomorrow, when we get back at it, we'll obviously preview the Sixers and the Milwaukee Bucks, a huge game at the center on Tuesday night. Peace. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for making Locked On 76ers your first listen every day. We'll get into, once again, Sixers-Bucks on Tuesday. We'll get into a lot of that and a few more things as well. Now make your second listen, Locked On NBA, Locked On Experts, covering the biggest stories around the NBA every Monday through Friday in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available 
wherever you get your podcast. So for Keith Pompey, I'm Devon Givens. This has been Locked On Podcast. We'll talk to you on Tuesday right here. Thanks so much.